Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the All Things Narrative Podcast. We got the duel of the decade for you, the showdown of the century, as we got Joseph, the king of all saints, Joe Lee Stark That's Wilson, right, here, who is going to be defending his favorite movie of all time from, of course, the one and only Nick Natal, a.k.a. the contrarian, who is going to come <laughs> along and tear down Leonardo DiCaprio's performance as the most overrated actor of our time. Uh, Derek, you Derek, guys I'm, o- I'm only coming for you, Derek. You guys, uh, you guys are not ready for this episode. Welcome to Why We Love Westerns. Well, yeah. And Jason's here. Yeah, sir. <laughs> oh man, I'll find a way to uh, agitate. That's right. Against so, each other. So I yes. wish you all could see this right now because we got Jason in full-on Western garb with the Ooh, white Western. hat, mm-hmm. sitting across the table from Joseph in the black hat. Mm-hmm. That's uh. That's the system right there. This is that, the, this is the Mexican standoff the right here. Right. That's that system right there, boy. Yeah, we got pistols ready, aged drum. It's going to be a good time, y'all. So thank you for joining us for the All Things Narrative Podcast as we continue this exploration of different genres and what they mean for our lives. And so I'd love to know before we get started, um, did you guys grow up watching a lot of Westerns? Um, my dad is a huge fan of Westerns. Same so, here. Yeah, so Same Tombstone here. was like the first movie that I was introduced to. Okay. Um, Django, what we'll talk about later, that's one of our favorite movies together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good amount of Westerns. Ringo, Ringo, Ringo. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. We, uh, my dad, we we grew up with pictures of Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and all these people on the walls of mm. our house. All my knowledge of westerns comes from him. So, what about you guys, Jason? Nick, did you guys grow up? Did you guys no, grow up? No, I, no, it's still in process. <laughs> um, no, did not grow up with westerns. Uh, I've seen a few in school and when okay. we studied it, but not in my like childhood at all. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, no, I wa- I grew up watching my dad watch westerns, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have a, an intention to watch them because I just thought, that's oh, old man thing, whatever, I don't care. They're all the same. They all look the same. Rawhide, uh, John Wayne, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood. Okay, whatever. They're men who just squint. <laughs> I do think That's I do funny. think from the outside looking in they all a lot of them do look the same right mm-hmm. they have got a very similar aesthetic there but I guess today what will be interesting is that we've each chosen a different western and I gotta say each of these films has a very different flavor mm-hmm. so I'm very excited to kind of explore how this genre which is a lot more narrow than some of the other genres we've talked about how there can be diversity in the storytelling of it. So let's go ahead and uh, get started. So as always, I'm gonna give a definition uh, of the Western that I came up with, and then we'll kind of launch from there, talk a little bit about the history of it and go into these different uh, films that we all chose. So the Western story is a gritty depiction of order taming chaos. These tales are about rugged individuals who must act on their own codes of honor and justice in a lawless society. The lines of morality are usually drawn by a good character, 
a sheriff, gunslinger, or bounty hunter who seeks to bring order at all costs, even through vengeance. There's also a morally gray character who straddles the lines between good and bad, and a bad character, the outlaw, cowboy, foreigner, who corrupts society and is not above killing women and children. The protagonist becomes slowly peeled away from his sense of security as his duty to society overtakes his personal life. These stories tend to culminate in a climactic duel between the forces of order and chaos, of good and evil. The Western is the only genre whose origins are tied to a particular moment in history, the 19th century expansion of America into the new frontier. As a result, many Westerns incorporate elements of history into their narratives, whether it be settlers navigating the emergence of new towns, tension with Native Americans, or utilizing the backdrops of the Civil War reconstruction periods. Westerns challenge us to ask ourselves, how far am I willing to go to tame the chaos around me? Mm. All right, any thoughts on that uh, definition? The last part, how far am I willing to go to tame the chaos? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's dope. Yeah, I think that's what we'll see in a lot of these westerns is how far um are these characters willing to go. Uh and we'll see that in different ways. So, any other thoughts? I thought vengeance was a very strong theme in the in the ones that I saw. And yeah. What was interesting is I think for every character that was used to designate what is good, mm. it's almost still like a gray area. Like even Clint Eastwood isn't good. Like he's selling the same guy and to, you know, for his bounty and then shooting him down off the rope over and over again. Like he's, it's good in quotes, right? Because I think one of the interesting things about the Western is that if you contrast it to what you might call maybe the more civilized East coast at the time, Mm -hmm. um, the West is just trying to figure it out. They're trying to draw the lines and figure out, even it's amazing that it's the same country. When I watch a lot of these westerns, I'm like, I cannot believe that like this exists alongside the other parts of America that we know of. Right? To be honest, it kind of reminds me of like in Star Wars, uh-huh. um, like the Outer Rim worlds, like how the uh, the Republic couldn't get certain worlds. Yes. So like the Republic is that civilized area, but the Outer Rim that's mostly where like. Han Solo are at like yeah. yeah like yeah exactly yeah. like Moss Eisley yes. and yes yeah. that's pod very racing. western mm-hmm. pod racing absolutely <laughs> pod racing yeah go see old pod race yeah literally <laughs> yeah no it really does have a life of life of its own like in these places yeah you see a lot of western elements that seep into other genre that will get utilized right I mean even the Lego movie has like a western section a part of in it, it. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> It's definitely a very important part of American history and uh, American filmmaking. Mm -hmm. In fact, and I just learned this recently, the Western is one of the oldest genres of film Mm -hmm. predating the 20th century. Really? Yes. In film. So like in the late eight, in like the 1890s, as the medium of film was being established, a lot of those first attempts at film were Westerns. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah. Do you that have makes the, sense. Do you have the first couple? The Great it's Train Robbery is the first one. Point. The train well, I've actually heard that there are some that came even before the Great mm-hmm. Train Robbery, but that's like the first maybe like official, right? That that we could say there. Yeah, but there's all kinds of, you know, really short 
little films that people were making and Westerns is what people went to. Mm. And it's interesting because if you look at like the timeline of when a lot of Westerns take place, like the 1890s is usually kind of like the end. Like that's considered like a late wet Western, Mm -hmm. but it's like ironically film is like picking that up right around that time. And it remains like a really popular genre all throughout like the silent era of films. But then once films start to get sound, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of like buried for a while. And it's not until uh, John Ford partnered up with John Wayne. And there were other directors and actors as well. But when they made Stagecoach, mm-hmm. that's really when Westerns took off again. Mm-hmm. And it led to what's called the golden age of the Western in the 1940s and 50s. By the time you get to the 50s, and this is um, these are American-made films, by the way. That's important to distinguish for what I'm going to say in a moment. Because in the 1950s, America made more Westerns than every other film genre combined. That's how popular they were. The Western was. Huh. In America. Yeah. yeah. This is America. I think someone, one of the, somebody in the movie, one of the movies said that. Dang, I was. Did they? I think, I think in Dead Man, because I was watching it, and I was like, oh, that's funny. I think what I put say? that down. This, this is, is America. America. Or somebody, somebody said this. Did you see America. Doc Ock in Dead Man? Yep. I put that down too. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we'll get there. We'll be there. Oh, I'm watching uh-huh. it. Man. I'm we'll get there. I'm, we'll get Sandman's there. Sandman's in Tombstone. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> yep. I'm still thinking about the definition right. of the Western. Yeah. And about. How, yeah. And just Dead Man is so different. I'm yeah. trying to figure He's out where all these girl. characters fit. And it's like we'll we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get to it's Dead Man. That boy old. Something interesting happens in the 1960s. So the Western kind of starts to go a little bit on the decline in American films, but over in Italy, they're booming. Hmm. And there's a director that we're gonna talk about here called Sergio Leone. And he, through his famous Dollars trilogy really crafts what we now know as the spaghetti Western. So these Westerns are American stories, but told through Italians. Hmm. There, there's a different perspective spaghetti that you get there, right? Western. The now spaghetti Western. That's funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why do they call them spaghetti Westerns? Cause they are Italian. They got they the Italian. <laughs> yeah. Very important for the crime and the Western yeah. genre that we have Nick here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Italians are important to the yeah. to the movie genre. Yeah. When it comes to crime. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean And spaghetti. This and is spaghetti. this is a perfect follow-up from those analysis that we did of No Country for Old Men, right? Yeah. Um this just flows right on in. Now, we we're gonna have a guy who's gonna come on here and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but he wasn't able to make it today. But I know Jason, you watched it, right? Rip Dave. So yeah. the good, good, the bad, the ugly is the third and final film of this dollar trilogy, and it's where what we now know as the spaghetti western is perfected. So you just watched it for the first time. What were what were your <coughs> thoughts on it? Oh, should I have watched that one? Should I have watched the first one first? No, I was told no. That this was a good one to watch. They're first. basically three different stories that don't connect like in terms of like they don't all take place in like the same universe because it's all clint eastwood for all three of them is he the same character no 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 no. oh Um, he's not but it's like thematically they all tell a certain kind of story thematically they relate together so not the same character but thematically they're the same so we call it a trilogy Mm -hmm. 
It's a loose trilogy, yes. A multiverse trilogy. Odd, but I'll take it. A multiversal trilogy. <laughs> so what was your yeah, shut up. What was your um what was your question? So again? good, bad, and the ugly. So what were your thoughts on that? I'm trying to remember exactly how it started. I think it was with um Angel Eyes and no, Tuco was the first person mm-hmm. introduced. And when I look back at um, the other movies, it's almost like I can see this good, bad, ugly theme in terms of characters yes. with all of them. Yes, like it's in, absolutely. It's in Once Upon a Time in the sure Old West, in, in the West, mm-hmm. and it's in, I guess it's you could kind of say- It's in Tombstone, yeah. It's in Tombstone. It's even in uh, in No Country for Old Men. Yes, exactly. It is. It um, is, between, yep. Llewellyn's ugly. Not really, but- um, Yeah, so once, so immediately it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, three guys go into this saloon and then there's just all these gunshots and this one crazy looking dude bursts out the window and they're all dead. And he immediately gets into trouble. But one thing that I realized in that and the others is that they immediately tell you who the who is who's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they establish the line, right? Because it's different for every film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Clint Eastwood's a good example of that, where if you watch Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood is the good guy. But then once you realize all the things he's done, you're like, is he really a good guy? Yeah. The but gu- but compared to what everyone else. Uh, is. Yeah. What, what's what's the main bad guy's name in, in Unforgiven? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman's character. Gene yeah. Hackman. Yeah. No, compared, don't spoil that. Compared movie, to him, <clears throat> you know, Clint Eastwood is a saint. Mm. But at the same time, there's a lot of moral ambiguity as well mm-hmm. because Gene Hackman is like. He's like a authority figure, mm. but he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So Unforgiven like flips a lot of that stuff on its head. But mm-hmm. yeah, but you see that trope of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah. That's there. The What's, good, the mm-hmm. the usually the bad. What separates the bad and the ugly is: Are you willing to kill women and children? Well, that's a Tuco big thing. was. Oh, that's true. I don't think he ever did kill women and children, but he was like accused for. Like a giant list of crimes, right? And like rape yeah. too. Like he mm-hmm. was, he he deserved to die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of, yeah, no, he was not good. When I looked at the bad and the ugly, mm-hmm. and it especially tells you in the standoff and the way that they're looking. Yeah. And I saw this one video that was really cool. Bring it into focus called uh, "The Power of the Gaze." Someone's mm. uh, video essay on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it was on uh, "Once Upon a Time." Yeah. But when you look at them, Clint Eastwood is the most focused. Yeah. And then Angel Eyes, the bad character, who you look at him and you go, just by his complexion, that guy's bad. Yeah. His face is all sharp looking and like mean and Mm -hmm. super dark hair. He's like next after him. And then the ugly Tuco is just like, like wily. Right. Unfocused, Mm -hmm. not going anywhere specific. Cheyenne. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's yeah. just going. He's doing. He'll kill. He'll shoot. He'll do whatever he wants. He has no patience. Right. He had. He probably only knows how to kill and steal because yeah. he he. This guy is about to die, and he's like water, water. Yeah. And he needs to hear where the treasure is. Right. From him, he's not getting water. He's just like slapping. Like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. You get water afterwards. Yeah. Now tell me where where is it? Where is it? But he just jumps on it. Super impulsive, but he's not incompetent. Yeah. Like, he gets the drop on Clint Eastwood twice, at least. Like, he's really, like, good. Yeah. Like, he's skilled. 
but that's all he knows how to do. Right. Just aimless. I think aimlessness. Yeah. Like the bad has a goal, um, a very strong purpose. So does the good. And then the ugly is just aimlessness, <laughs> actual chaos. Right. Just, yeah. You become the embodiment of that chaos. It'd be like it's neutral like good or chaotic good would <laughs> no. be the good. Uh, the good. Uh, no. Now, what I think is so interesting is like Sergio Leone makes the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's like, all right, I've perfected the Western. I'm done. <laughs> and then he comes back a few years later and he's like, oh, I made another Western. And this Western, so this is my pick here. And so this is what we're going to talk about to start is uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, which uh, completely flips what he established as the perfect Western, and he pushes it forward hmm. in a lot of ways. So when I've talked about before that I feel like Tarantino is a bit overrated because he takes from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Boy, when you watch this film, you see all of Tarantino's... What he took, okay. Well, Tarantino even has admitted that this is the yeah. most influential film mm. in his... in. As a filmmaker, right? I don't. I don't think I've seen enough of uh, Tarantino's stuff. Well, I've seen a few, but I'd have to fit, like know yeah. specifically what you mean. Well, you've got like so you've got this opening scene here, and it's very quiet. It's very Grating. slow. Oh, it's so good though. Showed, you didn't like it? It I, was so good. I showed my family, and I was just having a fun time watching them get annoyed when he just slow. when he starts drinking the water from his hat. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> or the fly when yeah. it just like. This, trying to blow it off yeah. his face this and movie, he captured it and listens to it. This movie is nearly three hours long. <clears throat> it is not in a hurry to tell its story. And that's one of the Ooh. things I love about it. You've got these guys that you assume, you're like, okay, are these our main characters? No, okay, maybe they're our antagonists, right? And so they're sitting there waiting. And I love, so there's Sergio Leone. Uh, he called this movie A Dance with Death. So yeah. like he talks about how these three guys, when they are left to their own devices and they have nothing to do. Uh, you have the guy with the fly, for example, right? Where he's trying to trap the fly in his pistol while he's waiting. Like these guys literally left to themselves will just find ways to bring chaos, right? So they're waiting. There's no music. There's hardly any sound. It's just quiet. And then the train rolls by, which we'll get to in a moment. Trains are very important in this film. And who is standing there? Captain but America. Our real, <laughs> our real <laughs> main. Yes. And I, I have to just give a shout out that uh, Ennio Morricone did the score for Good, Bad, the Ugly and for Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, they're amazing. I, I, yeah. I've told Nick, I, and I think Especially I stand by it, I think he's my favorite film composer of mm-hmm. all time. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When that first bit of music comes in with the harmonica. Because all the, we'll get into all the characters have different instruments that represent them with their themes. Mm-hmm. But you have harmonica come in, right? And then in just a moment, boom, kills all three of those characters. And you're just like, what on earth is this movie? Like, we spent like 10 minutes watching these guys just to watch them get slaughtered, like in a second. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he gets shot too. Mm-hmm. So that also yeah, communicates nobody's safe in this mm-hmm. film, right? But yeah, I mean, Let's talk about this. So, Nick, Jason, you guys, this was your first time seeing it, right? What were some thoughts that, that you had about this film? We're in a standoff right yeah, now. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go first. I shot Nick. I think I, I didn't do this film a lot of justice because I was watching it and then also doing some things in the downtime. But 
time was a really big part of this. I I like the beginning the most because mm. I just thought, you know, trains don't just come when you when you want them. <coughs> they don't just roll by. Oh, got here just in time. It's you have to wait. Like the yeah. guy is very slowly scrawling the old chalk on the board that it's going to be there in two hours. Yeah. Well, the train is the looming shadow in the film because once upon a time in the West, the title is super appropriate because it's about the death of the West as it was and about mm. a new kind of West that was being birthed at the time. Yeah. And so and it the grew train, with the expansion of the, sorry, exactly, you were, about, no, you were just right. about to say that. Go ahead. They grew with the expansion of the train and that's the exactly. whole movie is that mm. they have to get the station built before the rails get there. Right, right. So you have the train, the railroad, right, that's being built across America, and that's going to destroy the Western as we know. It's a very meta movie in a lot of ways because mm. the train, like, is this looming shadow that is putting an end to the West as it was. And so you have Harmonica, this guy who... Is that Re his name in a movie? Harmonica? Yeah, that's okay. what that's what he's well, called. That's, I like that's that. what uh, we never know his real name. Yeah, one of the characters just calls him that because he plays a harmonica. Yeah, yeah. yeah so his theme music. Okay. Yeah, so he comes out and he plays the harmonica, right? And he represents like what we know of as the Western protagonist, but he's very mysterious at the same time. And so, but he is our our morally good, even though he does a lot of things that aren't morally yeah. good. <laughs> but then you've got so you've got him established. And then you've got, you, you spend some time, again, another Tarantino trick, you spend some time here with a family. You have a father and these kids. Oh, and you're just spending time hanging oh, out they, with them. They died, huh? And then, <laughs> and then a guy comes and kills them all. Yeah, that sounds about right. Just completely, yeah. Well, that's the bad. So Frank is our antagonist, yeah, he right? he kills kids. He's, yeah, he is, he is that line, exactly. Yeah. He's the one who is, is willing to cross that. And the, the crazy thing, so Frank is played by Henry Fonda. And I was telling Nick this, that like Henry Fonda never played villains. It really? would be the equivalent of Tom Hanks playing a serial killer. So I kinda wanna see it, it was really shocking for people to see Henry Fonda shoot was, a kid he was in the first scene. Oh, he's fantastic. not good, but like he was great at being His performance. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's fantastic, right? Mm. He's one of the highlights of the film for sure. He's so charismatic. And then we have Cheyenne who gets introduced he's and he's introduced too. as this guy who's uh, he's handcuffed. Right. Because we realize that he uh, it's a it's a break, like a breakout. He's getting sent into prison and he killed all these guys and he goes into the bar and he has that confrontation with Cheyenne but it's, or with a <laughs> harmonica. But it's interesting because harmonica like doesn't he's trying to read him. Harmonica's trying to read him. And it, it's a really like slow scene of just characters trying to see, OK, who are you? Are you a threat? Are you bad? And mm -hmm. Harmonica eventually decides not to mess with him. And same with Cheyenne, right? Mm -hmm. But Cheyenne's also one of the best characters of the film. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he talks when he ought to play. Or no, he said he plays when he ought to talk. And when he should keep playing, he talks. Yeah. It's <laughs> the yeah. character. This movie is, I think, one of the best examples of show versus tell. Yeah. There is so much that is not said through dialogue that is just like utilizing i'd love to get your perspective on this nick but like how does this film like really utilize the medium of film to its fullest potential um i think for me the the opening sequence mm -hmm. is one of the best parts of the film the way that these characters are uh presented like the guy has the water dripping on his hat mm -hmm. and he just moves to the left 
Or he puts his hat. It's dripping on his forehead. He puts it yeah. on. And then he puts the hat on. So he can drink it, it starts dripping on the hat. And then he starts drinking it. The guy with the fly, he mm-hmm. traps the fly in his the barrel of the gun because it's bothering him. Mm-hmm. And then he and he holds it and he puts it to his ear. <laughs> and he's just like playing with this fly. His eyes are just kind of like a little buggish and the ones to the right. Just yeah. like a weird looking it's, dude. The opening is basically 10 minutes of silence until the main character comes. And then mm-hmm. there's a shoot off. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, but I think characters allowed to develop in silence. Yes. And that's a good way of showing and not telling. Well, um, and you, then it's also, there's a sense of humor in this film. Like you're going to have a lot yes, of fun it is, in this opening. It is really funny. So I think, I think that's cool. I think um, just like flash forward a little bit, the, when he kills the family and then there's that gunshot cut to the train. Yeah. I think yeah. I was thinking on the way here, that's one of the greatest shots that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of 2001 and then I yep. was thinking of um, Psycho with the eye yep. and mm-hmm. the drain. Mm-hmm. And then that one was unbelievable. And more symbolically, it's like the gun is giving way to the train, like this yep. next generation of machines. Um, yeah. That was just like such a striking. It's such, so many good cuts in this the film. The movie is beautiful. Like, I mean the the sets because they built real towns for this. It's not a studio. I heard that. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, you're good. Uh, the sets alone for the town cost more than the entire budget of the mm. good, the bad. That's right? Exactly you heard that say, too? Yeah. Oh wow! And then you have the music. The music yes. is showing you oh. way more than anything. So on one, screen. So I, when I was watching it with you, Nick, one of the things I pointed out was that uh, the music, uh, Morricone's music, was written as the script was written. So most of the time music is written after the film is shot. Hmm. They actually wrote the music before they filmed anything and they played the music while they were filming it. Really? Yes. Yeah, so it's like a ballet, they're moving to the music. Yes, exactly. So like every character, so harmonica's got a harmonica theme. Frank has like this electric guitar theme. Uh, Cheyenne has the the pluck strings, right? That's, yep. And then Jill, which we need to talk about Jill now. So Jill has the op- the opera theme, right? Uh, the operatic theme. Oh, like when the- she walks out of the train and is like, ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so okay. one of one of my favorite moments in the film that really utilizes that show versus tell. So Jill is waiting at the train station for yeah. her husband. Oh, doesn't show up, but she's a very active protagonist. So she goes right and tries to get to the house herself. So then she gets there and all these people are mourning and she realized what's happened. Doesn't say anything, then goes into the house and she's like walking through this empty house, caressing her bed, the bed that she'll never get to be with in her husband. Like it's really moving, like emotionally as she just, there's no word spoken. It's just the (laughs) opera music. And it's just her moving and realizing that she's inher- she has this thing she's inherited, but she doesn't get to enjoy it with anyone. She's alone. Mm-hmm. And she comes from being a, a whore, pardon the language there, uh, out in New Orleans, right? We like and to call them so, Jezebels. They're- the Jezebels, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. The, the genre, genre. anyways, <laughs> the horror, horror movies? The horror movies. Oh my gosh. I can't with you. <laughs> But she uh, she comes to the West Sorry. seeking, you know, a different kind of life. She wants to settle down and get married. And then she gives that speech to Cheyenne when Cheyenne comes in, right? Because Cheyenne is framed for killing her family, right? And she talks about never getting to have this. 
And it's, it's just, I don't know. It, I, I just really feel it. Her character is, especially the second time I watched it, her character, there's so much going on there about how she's like this woman that's pushing forward, especially where she ends up at the end of the film, where she ends up running this town, basically. It's crazy. But she also uses like the darker sides of her past, you know, because the whole plan of how Frank gets taken down is so like huge. There's so many moving parts that make it happen. Right. And so it's, there's a lot in this movie. There's just a lot going on. It's an epic. It's yeah. an epic. Mm. Yeah. The film really is saying something about the West and that mm. the West is dying. So you have like this guy, uh, Mr. Morton, who they call Mr. Choo Choo, oh, right? That, he so, was Mr. Choo Choo. He was interesting. Yeah. So what was interesting about him, Jason? So Mr. Morton is this, I don't know if he's a business tycoon or just a yeah. railroad tycoon, but he's basically crippled. He He's has got a tuberculosis. Brace. He has tuberculosis, uh, tuberculosis in his bones. He has to walk on crutches everywhere. He can't turn his head. He's just super weak. And he has this yearning for seeing the ocean. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because there's no way he'd get there any like mm. ever unless he builds this He railroad. builds it, yeah. And he's the one behind... The McBain's being murdered, which is yes. the family. Yeah, <laughs> Frank is basically his his hand of violence, mm -hmm. right? Because he can't, he has no power, yeah. which is very interesting. Because like the the metaphor of or the symbolism of like he's he's confined to this train. It's almost mm -hmm. like his prison cell. Yeah, he can't leave it. Right. Those so are he, his legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're his legs, and Frank is the one who has to. He's the only one who has power on his behalf. But then, of course, we realize that yeah. Mr. Morton has all the power. Mr. Morton has way more power. And mm -hmm. he would, and uh, Frank would have been dead if not for Harmonica. Yeah, like, which is crazy. Died. So he, we realize the power struggle between them. Mm -hmm. And he's got the money and he pays off all those guys. Yeah. And he says it in the movie, he says... This is the he, most... Yeah, this is When more Frank's going to kill that. him in the early scene, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, there's only one thing that can stop... That kind of weapon, and it's, it's this. this kind of weapon. And then and he pulls out the dollar bills. And Frank sits in the chair, and he goes, "How does it feel sitting in that chair, Frank?" And he goes, "Like holding a gun, except much more powerful." Yeah. And that's mm. and that uh, later that's foreshadowing to that event happening. Mm -hmm. And Morton dies, and he dies next to a like a, a, pu a puddle, a mud. muddy puddle. Like he's staring at this uh, painting. Of a ship on the seas, and he's just staring at the water being yeah. painted, and he's hearing it in his mind. Mm. And he dies next to just a muddy puddle of water, think still hearing it. Yeah. Oh, he just bleeds out next to it, mm. like crawling on the ground. Um, and he didn't actually want people to get murdered. Right. He sent Frank out to scare him off, and Frank's like, people they scare take, better when they're de dying. Mm. And... People scare better just, when they die. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, but he still, for his ambition, he was willing to to buy out, to scare, to use you know dirty <coughs> tactics. So I think the kind of the last thing I want to mention is that um, toward when you get to the end of the film, there's a lot of meta conversation going on. So you have a uh, Cheyenne who goes back to see Jill one last time and we don't know what's wrong with him, right? That he masks it so well, but I did not you have, mean, yeah. there's a lot of conversation there where Cheyenne is basically talking about like the old ways dying and 
a guy like Harmonica isn't going to stick around. Like, I'm like, you're literally, it's Leone talking to the audience yeah. about the Western. Yeah. Because I think Leone believed that this is going to be the movie that, I don't want to say annihilates the Western as we know it, but like the Western, it, and it is true. After this movie, the Western is never the same again. This is the tipping point where the genre, even if you look after this movie is made, this is where the genre starts to like become parodied with things like Blazing Sat, right? Oh, like man. this is like the peak of the so Western. Man. And even when you get to its revival, which we'll get to shortly in the 90s, when it gets its revival, it's still drawing upon a lot of these ideas in Once Upon a Time in the West, right? Mm. Uh, I got to talk about the moment that Frank and Harmonica finally show down. Oh, but Joe hasn't seen it, though. Yeah, I know. Because you're you I want to say, uh, yeah, yeah. address <clears throat> Frank and oh, Harmonica actually talk about it. Yeah, they do yeah. have a, you're right. They have a whole conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, he goes, you know, he was right. I could never be like him. Mm -hmm. He's a businessman, and I'm just a man. And uh, I can't remember if it's Frank or Harmonica who says it, but he goes a dying, a dying, a dying race. Breed. Yes, breed. that's it right there. That's the whole movie. They'll be gone. They'll be replaced. They're a dying breed. That man. But what about man as a dying breed? Just their usefulness, or their their yeah. character? The machines are taking over. I, I think business they, is they, taking because over because this yeah. leads straight into Dead Man. So let's do Dead Man after this. One. Okay. okay. That, I think the usefulness is a good point there, right? Because Harmonica, how does harmonica find meaning? Well, Frank's a really bad guy who's done him wrong personally, but mm -hmm. he's also, because here's the thing, harmonica, every time Frank asks, who are you? He lists the name of people Frank has killed. Yeah. So harmonica sees like his sense of purpose is like, this is a bad guy who's hurt a lot of people. Mm. I'm going to take him down, right? Frank's whole purpose, he's this guy who uses the gun to get what he wants and he's playing within the system of the railroad emerging real quick yeah yeah i actually do want to watch this movie don't say explicit like specifically what happened with no, that man no Bet between frank and uh i think we got to though do we have to when this scene hits you go oh my it is one of my favorite reveals I've ever seen in a film you where you're wondering why is Harmonica doing this? Like, yeah. why is he so, cause we don't, he's so mysterious. But then mm. of course we get the flashback at the perfect moment where they're about to face off in the duel yeah. and the slow pan back to where you reveal scene. what on earth Frank did to Harmonica. And you are like, damn, that is, that is how you use that's what do you, how you what do, do, you do a to movie. What do you do? So, what do, you do? do you really? I'm not, I'm not gonna say yeah. it. I'm no, not gonna say it. We're not gonna say it. Just watch it. Just the reveal right. of it, right. Right. and what the harmonica means. The harmonica. I was just say the harmonica is part of his revenge, and at the end, harmonica gives it back to Frank. I can. It's not spoiling exactly what happens, but either way. Oh my gosh. Well, we have to talk about that because what? the way it ends is the song dies too. Yes. Because well, he, the, he puts versus, it. Versus Frank, right? Well, their theme. Yeah. Well, their themes literally collide in the duel, right? Like Harmonica and Frank's themes oh, musically collide together. And then Frank's, the music for both of them shuts down because Harmonica in that moment loses his purpose. So to go back to what you were saying, mm -hmm. Nick. He's done. So Cheyenne and Harmonica have that final speech at the end of the movie. And Cheyenne's like, I got nothing left. Harmonica has no future, right? The Western is an interesting time in history because people built their sense of identity and purpose 
on this kind of wayward battle of order versus chaos. But once the order comes in, it's like the law is officially established there. They don't know what to do with themselves anymore. They're that, that dying so breed. Yeah. Especially when you look at Dead Man. Yeah. So let's go ahead and transition to Dead Man because when we get to the early 90s, we get a revival of the Western. So it started with Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's swan song of the Western. Ooh, he directed it, that. starred on it. Logan is like, you know, one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. And watching Unforgiven helped me understand Logan even more. I'm really excited. It's now, really good. I love Logan. Really good, Logan yeah. Is so and uh, Dances with Wolves um, is another really popular film that takes root in the early 90s that kind of brings back the western and that leads to tombstone too long for will, nick four hours i really yeah, yes it's, yes <laughs> take that back it's like the it's snyder cut nick. <laughs> nick says i top out at three and a but, half but there's two there's two key films we're going to talk about in that revival and that's uh tombstone which we'll get to in a moment and Dead Man. Dead Man. So, Nick, I think you got some thoughts brewing there. Dude, you- I picked Dead Man solely because it was weird and it off, is weird. off the track and sure quirky. Is. And I just thought it was something different for the, the conversation. Absolutely. But after hearing about Once Upon a Time in the West and, and watching that movie, this is really like a unique film to pair with that. Yeah. So, um, the movie is like... A reverse Western. Yes, so, that's a good way to put so it. So the Western traditionally, you have these beautiful landscapes. Mm-hmm. You have the, it's like it's like the beauty of the West mixed with like all of the harsh violence. And, yeah. But but in Dead Man, it's ugly. It's, Every everything yeah. is wild. It's black and white. It's ugly. the The train scene in the opening is like the the whole theme of the movie. So yes, Johnny Depp gets on the train and it starts off really beautiful. Yeah, and then he's just riding this train for. Well, like even five how he's minutes. dressed, he's mm-hmm. standing out from everyone else, right? And then slow, like you see glimpses of the outside, and it slowly turns worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the people on the train slowly get worse and worse yeah. and worse. Yep. So it's like this digression yes um of of where we're coming and the last stop is a town called machine and the guy's like oh <laughs> the guy's like oh like last stop like is hell yeah. i think he says is hell. yeah uh-huh so basically you're going backwards yeah. from this beautiful western society to now like exactly what's happening once upon a time in the west mm-hmm. machines are taking over and it's just terribly ugly and so there's not a lot of like traditional beauty in this film but the way the movie's told is is a, a visual language that I really like. So Once Upon a Time in the West has like these three song motifs mm. that kind of converge. And this one has just like one, one. guitar yeah. riff the whole movie. And it's like a trance. It's like a literal, like you kind of just get lost in it. So, yeah. huh. but the you title, do. so I, I didn't really ever think about this now. And I'm, I don't know if this is right, but the title's called Dead Man. And I'm starting to think that Johnny Depp's character is just an avatar. For whoever, is. no, for basically guys like um, uh, Harmonica mm. and Cheyenne, mm. he is not really an actual character. He's just getting dragged along by this uh, Indian, Indian called Nobody. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he's getting dragged along nobody by nobody. nobody. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. too. So yeah. <laughs> traditionally in the Western, the the Indians are savages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the enemy. They're the chaos. Right. And. The cowboys are coming to 
create that order. Mm-hmm. In Dead Man, the cowboys are the lawless one, are yeah. the yeah. enemy, and nobody's. And in the end, he just says the white man is the enemy yeah. over and over and over again. This stupid so, ass white man. So yeah. The, it, yeah, Joe really <laughs> liked this movie. It was funny. It, it was really it funny. Is funny. It is. It is it funny. Is funny. Yeah. Um, and so he is the good character, the Indian, who traditionally is the bad character in the yeah. Western. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my favorite character in the film. And he's bringing along Johnny Depp on this metaphysical journey of like literally cleansing his soul. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think he's cleansing the soul. In Jim Jarmusch, Jim Jarmusch's mind, he's cleansing the soul of all the Western men that yeah. have come before him. And wow. they are all on this journey on this mm. boat to the middle of the ocean by himself. And, <laughs> literally, and, literally it, in his little flower hat. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. I, same here. But I was like, what is this movie? So, so it's it, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are like, it's it, the critics are low, but the audience it's is high because yeah. they're saying the more you watch this movie, the more time you get into it, it, it gets better and better. Yeah. Yeah, but even so, so the 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 black hat in the movie is this crazy outlaw guy who's just mm-hmm. nasty. He's actually a cannibal. Yeah, um, he, yeah it's crazy. He, he killed his parents, and not only just did that to his parents, they just jacked it all <laughs> yeah. the way up yeah. for this one. <laughs> they, they're so so. Giant Depp gets framed for murder, and he's on the run, and mm-hmm. nobody comes along, and he's like his guy, the the Indian guy. Yeah, and then the guy that Giant Depp was um, framed for murder, his father is the owner of Machine, like he runs everything and he sends out these three outlaws to go get Johnny Depp. So Johnny Depp's in the woods getting getting cleansed. Mm-hmm. All of the Western mythology is just getting cleansed along with him. Because he's he's he, when he's out there, he's just going around and he's killing all he's, these yeah. kind of yeah. outlaw like people. So he's cleansing the Western in, even, in a weird sense. Not even sense. outlaws, he killed like some sheriffs at one time. So it's literally oh, wow. that Western He's killing the Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this- the law of the Western. Well, I mean, the whole setup even of how we get there is interesting, too, because there's this girl and that. that whole <laughs> All I was like, oh, no. I was like, no. <laughs> that whole situation there. Uh, oh man! Yeah, because you'll like this. You'll like the movie, Jason. Yeah, it's good. I'm, ex- I'm intrigued. It's right? weird. It is it so is weird. weird. You just weird put it on. Good. Put it on late at night. Visual language. You want to talk about show? Don't tell. Like yeah. he's not saying anything, and you're yeah. just getting sucked into this like good. weird space yeah. in the acid western. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just weird. You're like in another dimension, and you're just along for the ride. And it's, do you think there's anything significant about, um, what was his name? William, William Blake. William Blake, Blake the yeah. poet, right? Yeah, and they, yeah. they actually mentioned that in the film because that was my first reaction was like, oh, the poet? And then later they acknowledge that and they say he's the spiritual reincarnation. He's the spirit of William Blake. <laughs> Giant Depp's, the so, whole movie's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, shut up, William Blake. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write any poems. <laughs> He's just asking him for tobacco the whole yep. movie. He's like, I the don't tobacco, smoke. That's my favorite bit. <laughs> I thought he was going to smoke at the end when he uh-huh. kept saying, oh, you know, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't have tobacco. You, you sure you don't have any tobacco? <laughs> I'll trade you some tobacco. So it's a funny movie. Oh, oh it's, it's, very, it's a comedy. It's a very dry, dry, funny movie. Yeah. It yeah. is? A comedy? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's a man. Comedy. This is good. Um, and so then when you're reading the definition yeah. the, the, of Western, there's a showdown between good and evil. Right. So that happens as Johnny Depp is getting yeah. laid in, uh, getting put in a boat. This is crazy. If you guys haven't seen this movie, the last just ten try minutes to of this movie is nuts. He I gets, was just like, "What?" He's what about is to die. This? Like he's just so out of it. He's got face paint. He he starts the movie in this plaid, really nice clothes, and mm-hmm. he's dressed in like this 
whole Indian headdress with face paint and like put in a boat in like this ritual to go off into the next world. Sounds very yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And so as he's getting pushed off, the showdown between good and evil is between nobody and the the one, one of the outlaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's not even in it. No. 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 So Johnny no. Depp is not I, I'm convinced Johnny Depp is a complete avatar. He is he is a representation of something. And I, as we're talking, I think he's a representation of all of the Western mythology and all of what happens to them after, at the end of the movie, they have no idea what to do because their souls are still hmm. out of whack. Yeah. And so he is just that representation going off into the water. And the good and evil happens on the shore and they just end up killing each other. They kill each other and yeah. he's like just drifting off and just, oh. It's fine that I know this. It I is was even so like, counter to anything that I was like, oh, it just Leon ends? has ever <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was like, oh, it just ends like this. Okay, that's wild. But yeah. Well, it just, it just makes you wonder with him, right? William Blake is essentially like, this is what happens when you get sucked in to this genre. Like he's literally getting sucked into the Western genre. Mm -hmm. And what is the Western genre doing to him, mm, right? Yeah. And there's a sense where he he gets the pistols, he paints, right? He yeah. like embraces this new identity. That there is like this weird metaphysical journey that he's going on. And then what does he do with that? He almost like goes into the to the story in order to cleanse the story. Yeah. And cool. he's the mm. only one who makes it out, out alive. alive. Yeah. Well, but it's weird because he makes it out alive, but ironically, he's Dying, yeah. right? <laughs> we don't know what so happens. So it's like, him. but he could have just died out in the water. <laughs> to be honest, well, I'm assuming he's gonna die out in the water, yeah. right? He says something when he kills Doc Ock. Doc Ock was like, "Oh, but this is my favorite scene of the movie." Yeah, by this the way. is a really favorite good scene. scene. This is hands awesome. down. Um, Doc Ock being racist. Yeah, he's a he's a crooked evangelist. Like <laughs> yeah. he's just promoting God and everything. And he's, he's like, "We're not gonna sell." To can the I get? Indians. Can yeah. I get your autograph? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but he says like he says, go to hell or something, or yeah. like, God burn your soul in yeah. hell. Yeah, and Giant Depp goes, he already has. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he kills him as soon as he enters into the Western story. That was really cool, Derek. Yeah, this is a cool movie. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Was, like, it was it was really fun. It's fun. Yeah. I was yeah. like Western. I was like I, I've seen the good, the bad, and ugly. I was like let's just throw Dead Man in there. Yeah, <laughs> I almost didn't know if that was the appropriate movie because I almost <laughs> did the two thousand. Like thirteen one, there was a new one. And I was like, of no, Man? yeah, not not of this. It's not a, a remake. Yeah, it's not a remake. It's just a different title. Yeah. Oh. But I was like, oh, I don't think this is the one Nick is talking about. I no. think it's the one. That, no, no, <laughs> I almost the called you. I, saw, I was calling you at ten o'clock at night, but like, Nick, is this the right the, one? No. The moment I saw Johnny Depp and Criterion Channel, I'm like, yeah. okay, that's gotta be it. Yeah. That's Nick. Yep. So. Yeah, it's a good one. And right alongside Dead Man, a couple years earlier, is when we have Tombstone. Mm -hmm. And so that's Jason's pick there. So, Jason, Did I'd love to. All y'all watch Tombstone? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Spoil away. Okay, bet. Um, it's good. Good movie. Nope, you're cut off. That Django. Was good. Yeah, that was Django's next. Right, Django, Django, Django next. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think this is probably the first. Western movie that I decided to watch and sit down and say, okay, I'm going to see this. I don't even know who did I watch it with. I can't remember if I watched it with with Dave Darling or with someone. Else. I I don't yeah. remember. Damn, but it's all I didn't the other. But it's you know not an older Western. Uh, like I said, my my dad would watch them, and I go, eh, I don't know. But this one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And 
I really, really liked it. And then watching it again, it's cool to see how it's, you know, about a lawman who retired. And he said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I did all that. I'm done. All I want to do is <laughs> go to this town and spend my time with family, yeah. make it rich, live a good life, and then that's it. And mm. he goes to this town. His His brothers and their wives are there with him and his wife. And his friend, Doc Holliday, ends up coming into the town, too. Yeah. Who I love. Doc Holliday is um, my favorite character in this film. Doc Holliday, bro. Mm-hmm. I, and is this one. Val Kilmer? Yeah. Yeah, it's Val Kilmer. Yeah. At first, the first time I watched it, I liked him because of, you know, just he's a really skilled gunslinger. He's just funny and he's cool. But he is actually, and it says it, he's just like Johnny Ringo, mm-hmm. except like he swayed a little bit. Yeah, well, and, he's well, and he's got tuberculosis also, yeah. you know, which is interesting. But yeah. he's got a real vulnerability that he has to work through, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell's kind of the badass who just takes no crap from anyone, right? Like yeah. he's, I'm never worried about him. But I love that you put a character like Doc Holliday in there mm-hmm. that has a real sense of, wow, this is a really fascinating character, but. And he was the one he that could, lasted longer than like Wyatt and stuff like he that. He lasted longer than most it's of them. It's funny because yeah. like Nancy and I watched this movie together. Yeah. She liked it. And she was just like, as soon as she saw Doc Holliday, she was like, mm-hmm. oh, so he, something wrong with him. He died. <laughs> <laughs> and then throughout yeah. the movie, he was like, oh, he's dead. He's really dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially yeah. when he's drinking and yeah. he's just got all the pink around his eyes yeah. and all the sweat. But his intelligence to me and his, his like, learning was really good he's speaking latin the Mm -hmm. way that he's just smarter than everyone just in the way he converses when he he gets mad because the guy like oh that's uh that's uh no that's uh, you know camp town races and he goes it's frederick effing chopin Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i love that this is a nocturne i even think like mathematically like even knowing how to play the cards like that just shows his sense of intelligence too because it doesn't show he's cheating no he won like five hands in a row yeah he's just He's just smart, but yet he is also aimless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is just kind of, you know, parting his life away. And he's with his girl, Kate, gambling, killing, you know, going from one place to the next. Yeah. But my favorite line uh-huh. out of this whole movie from him was when the OK Corral scene is about to start. Mm-hmm. And Wyatt Earp says, why are you here? You don't have any business in this. And Doc turns to him, and he's like, up, like hurt, and he goes, "That's a hell of a thing for you to say to me." Mm-hmm. And later, he's like, "Doc, why are you still here?" When the three guys had joined him and yep, Wyatt, yep. and he goes, yeah. "Wyatt's my friend." Yeah, and he's like, "I got a hell, of, like, hell, yeah. I got a lot of friends." He goes, "I don't." Yeah, yeah. And so, and their friendship when he's sick in the bed, and Wyatt gives the book to him. Man. It's just. I think that strong friendship is what kept him from being Johnny Ringo. Because yeah. Johnny Ringo is just a mad, aimless, wild well, Johnny, dog who's intelligent and learned just like him. Yeah. Well, so they, they draw the lines with the morality. It's mm-hmm. usually the first scene where they draw these lines, right? The yeah. first couple scenes. So you have the cowboys that invade this wedding, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, another another movie yeah. that started off with a wedding. That's what I put too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um <laughs> But Johnny Ringo takes it a step further. He kills the priest, which Ooh. that's another crossing the line, right? In the westerns, I forget what color Bill Johnson is. That the other cowboy's name? Like the um, I think he was the one in the red shirt. 
And in the beginning, yeah, like the other I main, so. Bill, Bill Curly Bill, Bill? yeah, Curly Bill, yeah, Curly that's Bill. It. Even he looked at him after like he shot the priest and yeah. was like, "Oh, well." Johnny Ringo is such a fascinating character because he, <clears throat> there's a lot of biblical allusions in this film, mm-hmm. and there seems to be like some sort of hint that Johnny Ringo has sold his soul to the devil in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. he, they, he says that where they do the play. Remember in the theater? Yeah. And Johnny Ringo's like, I, I already done that. Like, I did that, mm, yeah. you know? So Johnny... goes, oh, how very informative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Johnny Ringo really embodies, like, he's almost the force of chaos. Mm-hmm. Because even when Curly Bill and a lot of these guys get taken out, the cowboys are sustained. Yeah. I think Johnny Ringo is that... He's almost like a force mm-hmm. that kind of is pushing the cowboys further and further more away from morality and law. And he does this in really subtle ways. And so that's why, like, I started realizing watching it, like, oh, yeah, this final confrontation, it has to be with him. Um, mm. there ha- he has mm. to be the one that's taken out. Now, it's interesting because Doc Holliday and Wyatt have this whole conversation uh, in the bed, right, where... Why, Doc Holliday's telling Wyatt, yeah, you're not going to win this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Doc Holliday goes in his place. Yeah. And without telling Wyatt. Without telling Wyatt him. Wyatt went anyway. Right. But Doc Holliday goes and he's the one who defeats Johnny Ringo. But of course, the cost is that that exacerbates his, uh, his, his, his yeah, exactly, yeah. his tuberculosis to where he's going to die, right? The final bed scene on his deathbed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's basically telling Wyatt, like, go get what you want. So the way I, and we were texting about this, I kind of understood. Yeah, yeah you're smiling. I'm smiling because I don't remember us texting about oh. it. <laughs> oh, um, but I remember when you so, talked about so, it. So, like, I was trying to think about what does Doc <laughs> Holliday represent, what does he come to represent in this movie, right? Hmm. And I'm like, okay, he kills the force of chaos. So that, because then once Johnny Ringo's out, all the other cowboys are taken out, no problem. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's interesting because the ending of this movie bothered me at first because I'm like, this is weird. Why does Wyatt, like, get to just go and do, like, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, why does he just get to go be with this girl and everything all works out for him in the end, right? But then I realized, like, oh, my gosh, Doc Holliday kills the chaos of the West so that Wyatt, who's wanted to live this kind of normal life in, in, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. So that he can no longer be bound to it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as long as the, the chaos like exists, he will he'll get roped back into it. Mm-hmm. But by defeating Johnny Ringo, which Wyatt again would have lost, he would have died. They make mm-hmm. that clear. Wyatt now can live free of the West. Yeah. And he can live a life away from that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost this weird, like, sacrificial motif yeah. that, like, he, yeah, I kind of took there. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting is Wyatt is just as aimless. Like, he doesn't actually know what he, he wants. He doesn't know what he wants, yeah. And um, and I had to, like, throw this down because, one, I was getting mad because I'm like, bro, you're married. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I feel like still that wasn't, I wasn't sure if even that was exactly what he wanted, but it was different yeah. than what he had. Yeah, and it represented a yearning after something else. It was freedom. It was just go and do whatever, and that's kind of what um, 
is a little bit represented in all the themes of the West dying is things becoming civilized. Right. The lines aren't going to be blurred anymore. They're going to be set in stone. Yeah. And there's almost a, a running away from the law mm-hmm. because there is a law, but it's set by a character. It's really set by the strongest character mm-hmm. or the, the most determined. And I would even say that the older brother sets that law then because he's the one that's like, Morally, mm-hmm. I just can't stand by and keep watching this. Yeah, you. Yeah. He's like, I didn't bring us here to get involved. Like, but you, but you did mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you you we, got us involved when you yeah, brought us here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And when they're like, you're not going to get him over a misdemeanor, are you? And goes, of course I am. It's the law is the law. Mm-hmm. That was just like he was probably sets like the highest point of that moral law. Yeah. yeah. But Wyatt, he really doesn't know what he wants, and he goes back. Mm-hmm. Like his his sense for you know one, it starts with okay, I'm here for my family, my brothers, and then it becomes vengeance, and also I have to get rid of this. He kills a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and I so love it's scene. still. I, I love, feel like it's love, still great with him. Love the scene where his brother's dying in the the saloon or whatever, mm-hmm. and he walks out, and literally the blood's on yeah. his hands, yeah. right? And he's holding them up there. And you're just like, and then both Dang. women can't come out, man. His, his wife doesn't even go and embrace him because she saw that he was looking at a old homegirl. Oh yeah, no, yeah. that's the two. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, he went to her first, man. but he was not good to Maddie at all. <clears throat> yeah, he kind of sucked with that. And I, what happened? I think she died, right? It said that. Um, I saw that somewhere. Well, it's oh, it's, the, it says at the end that she died. Um, she's like shortly after she yet. left. Well, there's the opium. Right, yeah, and that, that's kind of looming in the background of this film as well. Yeah, well, and one of the things that really like I didn't know until I was looking it up as I was watching it. Tombstone's a true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. I've been. To I thought that was really Arizona spot of Tombstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah. I, I think it is, but I'm not sure. Was him running across the water and not getting shot at at all? Like that was that was real too. That moment where he runs across the water and oh, shoots Curly Bill. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah I I think it's that or exaggerated. It's yeah, exaggerated. I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, I I don't know either. Or but they made it a point to put that in. But I think Wyatt never got shot like in his yeah. life. Mm. I'd have to. I would have to. Which look is back crazy. Over, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a cool story. It's a cool mm-hmm. film. And uh, I like the. I want to like the the element of history. I thought like is really cool. And um and back in. Mm. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It was the Civil War. The Civil right. War was a mm-hmm. huge part of it, and it was just like, a, okay, whose side are you on? Is it going to be a friend or a foe? Anyone you walk up to, yeah. And even they're like wearing the Confederate coats and they're pretending yep. to be on the Confederate side, and then uh, they see, are they blue or are they gray? Oh, they're gray. Yeah, yeah. Long yeah, live the yeah. Confederacy. Long live General. What's his name? Lee. Yeah. Long live General Lee. And they all come up, and they're just a bunch of Union yep. soldiers that are all covered in dust, and they're like. You know what? You know, put him in jail. I was just thinking of this as you guys were talking. You know what would be really fascinating is to take like these films, take like ten westerns, and put them chronologically, not when they were made, but when they took place in Mm. history, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of see like, because there's westerns that are at the beginning of the period, right? In the middle. And then you get to like the very end, once upon a time in the West, you end with that and you end with like literally the West starting over at the end of that movie with Jill, right? But that would be really fascinating to see like how the West yeah exactly Mm -hmm. that's actually a dope idea i didn't even think about that that's cool yeah Yeah. 
Any other thoughts on Tombstone before we go to our main event? I can't, uh, I can't I, remember it. I do um, want to bring up one topic that's yeah. in this, but it's also in a lot of them that uh, I kind of saw in a video about Once Upon a Time, mm-hmm. and it was about like the gaze, as it's called, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. the look. Mm-hmm. And in Once Upon a Time in the West, they used the characters' gazes to either like misdirect or direct the audience mm-hmm. to what's important, what's happening. Yeah, and also in the showdown. And also just in characters in general, you can see that one is one is clearly stronger than the other. One is more focused. Mm-hmm. Harmonica never breaks his yeah. focus. You know, right. he doesn't blink. Mm-hmm. I remember his eyes, the yeah. close-up shot of his it's eyes. It's just this. Yeah. And I, I, it felt like 20 seconds was just on his face mm-hmm. for the whole time. It was so well, long. Sergio Leone loves his close-ups. Yeah. He loves his faces. And for Frank, he looks away for a little bit. Like He, he almost is like, you can... Almost see like his he's asking questions in his mind, like he's still trying to figure out. And Harmonica's just dead set yeah. on one thing. And then you look between Wyatt and the 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 bad dealer in the uh-huh. in the poker place. <clears throat> he goes, "Oh, you're you're scared. I can see it in your eyes." And he kind of backs him down and just starts hitting him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bro, like, I was like, "Are you gonna do anything? You're just gonna stand there and bleed." Jason and I were talking about this at work. I was like, he, "This he some grown man let another grown man slap him multiple times, bro. It would have been bang bang as soon as I got yeah. that first slap. Well, bang. Even Wyatt's <laughs> like, "Do it, pull the gun. Yeah. Let's see what happens." And the theme that I wanted to touch on is is showing external weakness gets punished. Yeah, in, in in all the westerns, you see uh, Wobbles, the the big dude that uh, Harmonica ties his tie into mm-hmm. the thing. Wobbles, and, like, yeah. Starts, uh, wobbles, he dies. But just oh, when, one of my favorite moments is when Frank like is like, no man should wear a belt and suspenders. <laughs> yeah. and then when he goes to <laughs> kill, can't him, even trust he his pants. The suspenders off and the belt. I'm like, gosh, this movie's cool. But but the thing was like, you see Ike Clanton in uh, Tombstone uh-huh. is beyond cowardly and you see like other characters that get like back down easily and you can tell who's gonna win or lose a situation based on the gaze based Mm -hmm. on like the intensity and the focus and who wants it more that's so true you can see that in uh doc holiday versus ringo Mm -hmm. and it's funny because when when one both don't back down that's when something happens Mm -hmm. when one one backs down then it's either completely conquered and vanquished immediately or it's you know, the <clears throat> fight doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's because what starts the fight at the OK Corral? It's the wink. It's Doc Holiday winking. It's literally yeah. just Doc Holiday staring at another dude, and he just goes, and the guy goes from this to, and yeah. and uh, Wyatt Earp sees it, and he just goes, oh, oh my God. And they <laughs> yep. just start shooting yep. each other. Yeah. So I just thought that was a cool thing. and That is cool. If uh, like I don't know if that's so much of a thing in, uh, dead man? No, dead man. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> dead, dead man is telling a whole different. There was story. there was no yeah. gazes in in dead man. It was uh, just Donnie oh. Depp looking into the camera. <laughs> a lot. Like, yeah, 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 a lot. lot. <laughs> oh no, he does that the camera look. look. No, he doesn't. But the camera's in his face, and he's just lost the whole time. I just don't know what to do. It's the me. the cleansing gaze. But it, as you were before you were speaking, I was just thinking about. I was thinking about the male like archetype in the Western mm-hmm. and how they're like this super bravado, super strong. Yeah. But they're all like just really broken. And yeah. at the end, yeah. it's like a deeply existential, like what are we supposed to do with this life? And yeah. who are we? And then I was thinking about how um, 
the first genre that we chose to explore as humans is the Western and mm. really just man's broken state. In film, yeah. Yeah, yeah that is really and fascinating. As you're saying, as you're, but as you're, I was going the other way in my head because you're right. But then the other side is um, when you show external weakness, you get killed, but their lack of showing their internal weakness is destroying the society. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's in Tombstone yeah. and yeah. that's in Johnny Ringo because Wyatt's asking Doc, like, what makes Johnny Ringo Johnny Ringo? Like, who is he? And go see a man like Johnny Ringo got a big gaping hole in his heart right yep. here. Mm-hmm. And ain't no amount of killing or stealing or anything's going to fill it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps going. And Doc Holliday is saying that because that's, that's exactly who yeah. he is. That's mm-hmm. him. Because mm-hmm. he tried to fill it with drinking, with Kate, with smoking, gambling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. killing, his skill, like intelligence, right. like he's shot the height of all these things to fill that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's just broken inside and he tells why I just live like just please if you're my friend you you will leave me now mm-hmm. and you will not stay here and you just go live yeah mm-hmm. what was the last thing what was the book um, what was the title of the book after he gave like that he gave my to? friend Doc Holliday yeah. mm. that's when I I was like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And that—that's not—that's showing external weakness. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's the vulnerability of you're my friend and I care yeah. about you. And here's a book. And then I think it's funny. Um, that's right after that he looks at his feet and goes, and I don't know if they stop moving or something. He goes, "That's funny." He doesn't even get to open the book. He dies yeah. before he can read yeah. it. Dang, I didn't even realize that. To you, oh, I'm about to cry again. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, there's there. I'm sorry. There's two more things I want to talk about because they. Because they're important. I don't want to miss them. One is when the actor man is talking to the actress about Wyatt Earp. Mm -hmm. And he's describing like this man is both predator and prey. His eyes are closed by the sun and just Mm -hmm. going off of that. And I thought that's really cool because on the outward, he has to be the predator. He has to survive. Mm -hmm. But he's also chased down. He's also vulnerable. He almost died. His family was almost killed. Like he's still just a man. And then it's when she and the the foreign actor are in the carriage and he's dead. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was like hanging with the cowboys, like the nerdy kind of guy with the glasses, he goes, what happened? Um, and she said that he got killed because someone tried to steal bring her purse. beauty into your, wor- yeah. into your world. He yeah. tried to bring something beautiful and wonderful to you, into your world and you hated it and you killed him. Mm. Yeah. Jesus. And, and it's just chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's just cha- like he he wasn't, he was kind. He just wanted yeah. to show stuff. And when he got shot at, he didn't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just the chaos saw this thing that was good and just said, nope. Yeah. That can't survive. I do love yeah. the fact that all those type of cowboys were literally just rowdy at first watching a play. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he started talking, they're like, oh my, oh my gosh, this is. I ain't never experienced nothing like this before. <laughs> it's just so random to see like dirty cowboys really watching some Shakespearean actor and enjoying it. It's because he didn't yeah. move when they shot at him. Yeah. They're like, oh, <laughs> they hang on. They respected him after that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's get to the main event. Listen, everybody's in this main event. 
Everybody's in this main event. Everybody. Joe, in actually, event. it's just Joe. Joe's the main event. <laughs> Joe's the main event. All right, Joe. Today, Joe's the main character. I'm the main character. Django Unchained. <laughs> Not the fan Take favorite. Away. Oh. We should just spend the next 20 minutes of you quoting lines. That's all we got to do for <laughs> yep. Django. This there's is no, e- there's no real deep discussion in this movie. Just yeah, that's okay. Because <laughs> I'm down, I'm down to just watch this for the next twenty minutes. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. That's not entirely very true. quotable film, though. It is very quotable. What's all those quotation marks on your notes? <laughs> oh, well, that, <laughs> listen, that was for two oh more than anything. Gosh. Wow. Listen, Joe came to work today. Joe's crap. What you believe? I believe. Oh my gosh. Oh, I do. Okay. Joe. So I do love this movie, Django. Um, Is it your favorite movie? I won't say it's my favorite movie. I think my favorite movie is not what we're talking about today. I think okay, Jang- isn't it, isn't, it, isn't your mom's favorite this one? No, Logan is her favorite one, oh, okay. which is also a type of Western. Western. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no one picked Logan. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Don't worry, so, we'll get to it. I would say the first thing I'm gonna say is <laughs> Django is one of the most accurate representations of. Like how slavery is portrayed in film, and you got you got to change my mind about that because I just think it is okay. That's what I'm going to say first. <laughs> but second, I I know it's just like this. I know Quentin Tarantino is is that over the top type of director. However, I think he's telling a story that he may not even know that he's telling. Mm, so okay, okay, Joe. Okay. So all, all right. right, let me tell you why I connected with this. So. Django is can show some of the struggles as a black man in America. Mm. You know, I don't give up. You know, I don't really talk about this. Time. I don't really use this card a uh, whole often. But watching it again, I was like, oh, wait, hold on. You use that card right? a lot more. Yeah, often like, well, maybe I see if it gets me places. <laughs> um, but this is <laughs> but this is a man who's born into a world that is systematically set to put him down. The mm-hmm. African male. Right. Um, honestly, someone who is, uh, what's it called, shows more intelligence than his white counterparts. There's a whole lot of, when you're, when he's going back down to the South, going to, um, what's it called, Candyland, mm-hmm. you see, like, the work, the white workers that are hunting down the, um, the, what's called, the ones that ran away, the slaves that ran away, and things like that. Even oh El Candy. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite scenes is when Django speaks French to, yes, ca- to yes, Candy. Yes, even El, um, Oh, I love Michel it. Candy. Now, he don't was, speak he, French to him. He, he doesn't he even want... really speak French. So it's just like, there's these, like, oh, when he was wearing, um, when uh, the bodyguard to El Candy was wearing the hat inside, he was like, he's like, you don't wear a hat in the house of white man, even I know that. So it's just like, there's, he, even though he grew up in a place where he was designed to fail, he still succeeded in that. He was yeah. a very good sharpshooter. He was very talented. He was able to climb up the ladder mm-hmm. in the sense but he had to give a piece of himself. He had to give out, give away his true identity. Um, he had to be something that he didn't want to be. This is yeah. a black slaver. He had to. He had to perform in. I'm gonna say it, the white man's world to survive in this world right. and give up himself. Mm-hmm. He had to sacrifice. Um, literally, how he. Uh, what's it called? How he changed. He had to change how he like his morals and his beliefs. Um, he hesitated when he was hesitating to kill the father. The only reason why he had to like he killed the father and proceeded with his life was to get like the American dream, freedom and a right to choose who you love. He chose who he loved, but because of the system that was set up, it's taken away from him his freedom. He doesn't have real freedom, even when um, I forget his name, um, but the German guy that that helped him. 
Uh, he was you mean still Christoph not, Waltz's yeah. character. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even truly yeah. free Hunter. in that because he was still being Don't used. Hunter? He was still being used um, to like by him. He was still being used by him and to get his own goals. So it's either or. He has to give a piece of himself yeah. to actually survive in this world mm. because it's designed to put him back or to keep him back right. from success. So. That's what I got from it, the second viewing. But I do love the fact. Second viewing? Well, well like, 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 <laughs> like, viewing it for this. Uh, sure. Viewing okay. it for this. I've watched so this movie probably watch, about like 50 I times say, yeah. in like a day. You watched this movie <laughs> twice just for this one? I probably watched this movie about 50 times in a day. But I do just I do just love it all. Um, oh, even with Steven, um, the person, like the, the other stereotype of the person uh, the black person that had to meld in this world. Oh, the Uncle Tom? Yeah, the Uncle Tom, who literally... Samuel Jackson. I love Samuel Jackson in that mm-hmm. role. <laughs> now, if you want to burn the sheets and see it in the whole dang thing, <laughs> we're going to do that. <laughs> he, he's, the, he's one of the smartest ones, too. He is yeah, he was on his A game. Ones. Yeah, but he again, he had to dumb himself down right. to fit in. But he's still the second-hand person, and he had to get, like... It's either him... Or, like, it's either he cares about himself or he cares about others and he fails and he dies. Well, it's like that conversation where he pulls Calvin Candy into the, the study. Yeah. And they're, like... He like, was the one that figured out He knows out the exactly plan. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And, like, Calvin Candy is just... Oblivious. Oblivious mm-hmm. to He's like, it. but, you know, why would they get... Why would they buy a... a what would a... What would a beat up back? Yeah. Why would they be, get a girl with a beat-up back? Then they ain't here for no Mandingos. Mm-hmm. They here for that girl. <laughs> keep going, Joe. You know, I know you Please know it. Keep, keep going. going. Just keep doing it. We're here for this. Oh my gosh! But no. Finish the quote. No, finish the scene. Finish the whole scene. <laughs> finish what, the movie. I. What would be my What would be my favorite scene in that movie? I don't even think it's that. I think it's. I think when we're first introduced with the dynamic of Django, and I keep forgetting his name, um, the German guy again. <laughs> Hans Landa. Yeah, Hans. Um, <laughs> is it Hans? That's, that's from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, good. That's, no, all, but like, that's, that's, all, that's <laughs> all that character's good for. He's just a replica. I was like, hang on. That doesn't sound right. And a worse one. But Whoa. Whoa. Huh. Ouch. Oh, the Dr. worst? Schultz. Dr. Yeah, Schultz. Do you like Dr. Schultz in that movie? So I think, I think his role in the movie is fascinating. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, first of all, Christoph Waltz is a great actor. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he... The fact that he got to play like a good guy after playing like one of the greatest villains and right, yeah. that just goes, yeah, yeah, that just goes to show how talented he is. Yeah. But also, what I think is really fascinating about him as a character is that he takes Django under his wing, right? Mm-hmm. And he's able to see Django as a freed man, and he's very smart and calculated, but his vulnerability really comes out with. Calvin Candy. Yeah. Because there is something. He's he's shown to a whole new level of evil. Yes. And watching him try to stay in character. Yeah. That's my favorite stuff with him in the movie is like, how is he going to put up? Oh, no. No, no. (laughs) I just. Maybe Nick and I will face off. No, no. So the end when he kills Calvin Candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You enjoyed that scene? That scene to me didn't make a lot of sense. He, it kind of just he jeopardized everything for no reason. They yeah. won. Yeah. They won, and he's like, you know what? Let me shake your hand. And then they talk about shaking their hand for the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this scene I really, insist. this scene really bothered me. <laughs> 
that was like him trying to be like uh, once upon a time in the West, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. The thing with Tarantino is he talks more. He sh- he tells more than he shows a yes. lot. Yes. So the way this story is told, I just I thought it was weaker for him in in some of his other movies. Yeah. But he he they won, and he's like, you know what? Let me shake your hand. And then he kills him for no reason, and then it all breaks loose after that. Like he could not bring himself to shake hands with evil. He's like, like he couldn't even touch him. He looks he looks at the guy who he's taken under his wing and he goes, Sorry, I couldn't resist. resist yeah. I just jeopardized you and your wife. Well that's my bad. But that's his flaw. <laughs> and that's, right? that, that's like his flaw is is you've seen him do so many things throughout this film, mm-hmm. calm, cool, and collected. But there is something about candy and Candyland and all that it represents yeah. that he he loses it. I, th- I think it, you when, know? It, when and, he really started to lose it, when he when he watched um, Candy uh, send like his people to like tear that guy apart, like yes, yeah, the dog, yeah, yeah, Well, and, when, and so like, there's this weird idea of like like shaking hands. Like, what does it mean, right? Like, why does he want to shake his hand so badly? Mm-hmm. It's this little power struggle that because Candy knows he's been duped at this point, yeah, but he's almost putting it out there because it tells Dr. Schultz, I'm still in charge. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter that you object to everything about me. At the end of the day, I have the power. And this is a character who has been in control the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And so... And I will Candy, remain. Yeah. yeah, Candy yeah. realizes that about him and turns it against him. Schultz is just as bad as Candy. Would you like some white cake? <laughs> <laughs> so, but of course we have to talk about Candy because Nick, what is your opinion on that Leonardo? That, that Leonardo DiCaprio just screams his lines. He doesn't act. He just yells. You put your you put your gun to that corner container right this He instant. just yells. <laughs> I, I know he cut his hand on the skull and he kept the scene going and that's a good that scene. Was, that was one of the good. That was but, one of the good performances. But when his voice part. screeches because he's yelling so loud like it does in every movie he's ever played in <laughs> since he was fourteen, <laughs> it just bothers me. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I kind of want to go through all the movies and just be like, that's the scene where you just scream. That's <laughs> That'd be some montage on YouTube of him screaming. Oh, my God. His lines. That's it. That's it. I'd, I'd, so you don't think he's good in this movie? I, I think he's okay. Uh, that's it. Who Who do you think gives the best performance in this movie? Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all because Samuel Jackson. <laughs> there yeah. is um, something I read that uh, when they were filming it, Leonardo DiCaprio had a hard time like yeah. saying the N-word. And Samuel Jackson yeah. took him to the side. He was like, hey, listen, listen, MFA, we just here to do a check. I don't care. Go ahead and call me. It's whatever. All right. You say we, it. Yeah, just Have say you, it. That were you, who sent the uh, the interview with Samuel Jackson saying, well, oh, you we, ever, yeah. that was you? Yeah. Well, have you ever said it? I've, I've seen I'm, it. Not, I'm not answering oh, the question until you say it. Yeah, he bullied that guy. Say it right now. He's like, but I can't, I can't say it. Why? Huh? It's just a word. <laughs> but that, <laughs> he was trying to get that man canceled. He was, <laughs> but yeah, I I really do like I really do like Django. And plus, this like um in was it Dead Man? Yeah, in Dead Man, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, black cowboys that we get to get to have that. <laughs> the one, the you, one gets shot, shot in the back, back of the head, head bro. Mm-hmm. For say f you, yeah, f me, f you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, she's dead. But yeah, even the fact that at the end, like. Like he got to ride off, not into the sunset. He got to ride off into the night with his with his bride. 
like a total reversal right. of just like what they huh. normally do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, most Westerns that you see, they don't incorporate the slavery element, which is an element that's there yeah. in the time period, right? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that you wouldn't really do much with that. Tarantino made two Westerns, essentially. He made Django, and then he made The Hateful, Hateful Eight, Eight mm-hmm. right after, yeah. right? Which I didn't like either. Which you didn't Hateful like that one either? Which hatefully he gets Morricone to come score, and that's easily the best thing in that film is the score. But it's interesting, right? Because the Western is something that's so grounded in history, and it speaks to, as Americans, it speaks to part of our story, right? Mm-hmm. As as a people, and lots of people want to tackle the Western because of what it's trying to say, not just in terms of history, but even in terms of humanity itself. Mm. When, when I think of Django and the very wonderful analysis that you gave earlier yeah. of it, right? Django is almost, the, the what I'm thinking, hearing it is like, it's like, well, what if a black man at this time came into the Western? Because mm-hmm. that was not their story. Yeah. Uh, that was not the story they were in, but what if that happened? How would it play out? And not what even would it look like, right? out that life. That life found him, like literally how he was found at the beginning. Right. Um, and then used, but used that system to get what he wanted at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't, uh, isn't Django an actual Western? Like it is an old, yeah. yeah. Yep, there is a classic Western it's called like, Django. It's, I don't know. Uh, it's something, it, it involves the slave trade or just, in yeah, the middle I've of never slave seen tensions, it, but, um, it's about a white dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Tarantino just takes everything. Well, He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tarant- I like this Tarant- title and this score. And I Tarantino like is like Florida. Florida just takes all the names from mm-hmm. every other place and uses it and says, yep, this is Florida. No, That's- Florida is like Mad Max Fury Road, even though I have mm-hmm. not seen that movie. <laughs> you told me you did. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't <laughs> oh seen my it. Gosh. That's why I'm like, I want to watch that with you guys because I'm like, is Mad, Max, is is good, Mad Max Fury Road a Western? Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic Western. I, I haven't seen that. it either. We can watch that. Yeah, Mad Max is good. I That's love fair. the instant approval and then like. Hurt. No, because he told me that. I I've thought, known that for a long oh, time, and then he's like, "I've never seen." It. I'm like, "What?" Because oh, yeah. you told me that about Florida. Like, yeah, it's, it's from Mad Joe. Max out here. <laughs> I didn't know it was from Joe. I tell that to so many people. My, my <laughs> friends from California. He's like, he just calls it Mad Max out here. Because yeah. like I've only seen like glimpses and stuff of like <laughs> Mad Max, so I get the yeah. concept of it. But I'm like. I feel like this is what Mad Max is out here. We're just riding quads on the streets. That's and right. Like that. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. This hasn't happened, but there's only one time I've seen traffic not slow down but go to a complete halt, mm. and that's because there was a gator attacking a guy like from a, in a truck on the other side of the road. Bro, and I was just like. Y'all are not slow, and you stopped. You Joe, parked your car to watch this. That's Fury Joe, Road right Joe, there, man. Joe, I have to ask you, when you moved to Florida, was one of the first thoughts I had was, this is a lawless land. I That's literally all I thought. So as I'm, really? As I'm going on Tamron, yeah. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, that's like... That's, la- that's the <clears throat> lawless yeah. land. But just in general, it's just nice. like... I'm watching people literally not wear helmets yep, on yep, things uh-huh. you, need, you should walk, wear helmets on. That was shocking Doing to me. whole flips and skirts. When <laughs> it's really, just like, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, bro, I'm like, what are you guys doing out here? Everyone, You guys could just No die. license plates. Yeah, nothing out here. I'm like, all right. And there's Fabi in the middle of the road and you ran a red light. 
I'm doing like, wheelies. I like. I can be do rag man out here, man. Well, guys, <laughs> we need to make a film that's a western set in Florida. Oh, that would be you know, good. I thought about like we should do like some type of short. Oh, film. there's got to be a, a shootout has to happen in the Everglades, and then someone just falls into the swamp and disappears, and the other walks out. I have an alligator. It's gotta have an alligator uh, yeah. in it somewhere. The alligator eats somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No drugs have to be involved. No <laughs> just literally just throw someone in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think we got an idea for this retreat. We're gonna do a Florida Western. We're gonna, nice. you know, think of all the Florida things we can. We're gonna make a whole movie up there. We're gonna be <laughs> doing a whole graphic design and stuff of it. Oh, That's I love funny. it. Well, any uh, final thoughts on the Western as a genre before we wrap? Um, for me, I think. I, what I really liked about this assignment, if you will, is that this is a genre that I really want to explore more and yeah. see like how the themes play out in other movies I like. Mm. One movie I didn't get to watch before this that I really wanted to was Rango. I Rango. love Rango. Clint Eastwood is the spirit about. of the West. Yeah, yeah which is funny because it's Johnny Depp too. Yeah, and Johnny Depp is also lost and mm-hmm. has no idea what's going on. And that's also that's also Mad Max. Yeah, Rango also is like Rango is like a. Which one came first? I think Rango came first. Yeah, it did. Mad Max. Just yeah, because we were looking Rango. it up. We were like, this feels like Mad Max, but yeah. Rango came first. Like exact scenes. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mad Max stole from Rango. Yeah. <laughs> that is the greatest. So maybe thing. Mad Max is. Well, the there's the original Mad Max from decades <laughs> yeah. ago, but yeah, no Fury Road though. Fury specifically, Road. yeah. Really? Well, Rango is you know a guy who has really no place in the story. Finding a place. Mm-hmm. In, there's the concept of legends. There's the concept of business taking over yep. and stealing from the people, yeah, and them having to fend for themselves. Oh yeah, uh, hired hand like hired yeah, outlaws. Hired guns, yeah, it uses uh, it all. But you it's, ain't it's, got it's... the nerve. Try me, dude. <laughs> Rattlesnake Jake was sick. Rattlesnake, bro, that is yeah. one of my favorite. Movies. I'm not cool. gonna lie, Rattlesnake Jake was dope. Yeah, <laughs> um, and he just stole the tortoise dude at the end yep. of the road. Oh, that was. It's a really cool movie. It's super parodied. But it's making want me want to go back to that, go back to Logan, and just really explore the themes and how they relate. Because, uh, but and I want to see other uh, yeah. good ones like the Searchers. I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still got Unforgiven. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I gotta fin- now. I gotta finish the trilogy because I watched the first yeah. one of them, so I gotta see the others. Yeah, you've seen the best one though. Whatever. No, yeah. it is. It is good. Good, bad. The yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly. You haven't seen it. You yeah, should I see it. Watch it. It's instantly fun. Yeah. If I wasn't touched on, I think one thing that I really liked is that in every single movie that I've seen, uh, they they start with defining evil first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they show this and they say, this is the chaos. There's the wedding being shot out by the cowboys. I instantly mm-hmm. hated them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Frank shooting the kids. I instantly hated him. Mm-hmm. And then there was... Uh, okay, with Django then, if we're going with that, then the villain is the American the America system during yeah. the time. Yeah, Because that's literally fair. it starts off with, with slave owners um, yeah. about to go mm-hmm. sell the people off. And they're fighting against what America has set up yeah. during that time. So then Candy yeah. doesn't represent Candy. He, he represents, represents the American system oh, yeah. Yeah, during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the bad. It's, yeah. it's the concept. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's always about... It's man, Western is just f the system. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a little bit. shoot up everybody, bang bang <laughs> from both sides. But um, and then it was the good, the bad, and the ugly when uh when uh, Angel Eyes shoots a guy and his family. Yeah. Uh, but I just no, I, it really made me appreciate this genre. And I want to explore it more. But yeah. that's really all I got. That's good, partner. Yeah, yeah, no, I've always loved like the idea of westerns, but. 
going like into the deep dive is like mm-hmm. learning that type of stuff. Like, oh yeah, they um in the beginning a lot of these westerns do set up what the uh, the antagonist is. Um, just like how then the definition you gave it's these characters who are in the in this lawless land trying to set order, but mm-hmm. they still do have a bit of a residue yeah. of like the West and mm. and that lawlessness. So they're trying to find themselves in that and still being lost in that and figuring out what they're going to do even after all this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Westerns are dope. <laughs> mm-hmm. They look good. Nope. I'm, I'm on the boat floating in the water <laughs> taking this podcast with me. Yeah. It's over. Well, <laughs> Wait, who gets shot at the, end of the, at the end of this thing? Oh, gosh. What? I see. Who, who dies at the end of this? Nick this one? You two. Yes, you two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in front of the black hat and the white hat. Yeah, and he, off. He, he's literally going to work after this yep. and leaving, and we're, we're just going to kill each other. <laughs> That's funny. So I guess I'm the bad because I represent the white man. Yes. <laughs> you can quote me on Let me stop. <laughs> Let me not yeah. get canceled on the podcast. <laughs> You're black. You'll be fine. We don't have enough. We don't That's have not Jason get canceled on the podcast. Hey, put this out there. Let, let the people hear <laughs> All right, so yeah, shake my so hand, just, Joe. Bro, I hate that scene. <laughs> ten, it's like five minutes of shake my hand. No, shake my hand. No, why would I shake your hand? No, guy insists. You no, really insist? Shut. I hate. Tarantino <laughs> needs to make a cut. Yeah, that one was tough. <laughs> All right, That's so yeah, funny. the western. Um, it's a way that we find meaning. I'm trying to bring it strict, back. Strict it ain't coming yeah. back. <laughs> you, you, you've heard us for an hour and a half. Join us next month around Halloween time as we dive in to the horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Horror and thriller genres. We will be back for that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, to this episode. Check out allthingsnarrative.com if you want to learn more about what we do. And yeah, guys, so thank you so much once again. This is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off, saying let's go get some lunch. And until next time, I tip my hat to you, one legend to another. I insist. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that?